And welcome back to episode 120 of the Weekly Tech Round with me, Jay. And me, Carl. Well, Carl, what a week in tech it has been, hasn't it? There is it's been a crazy one. Crazy week ahead. We uh, we got a mixed up bag of stories this week from, you know, new product releases, information, um, but also, you know, the news broken today of more layoffs in the tech industry, isn't it? Some big ones again. Uh, Indeed. Possibly the best part of 20,000 people are going to lose their jobs across a couple of different companies. But we'll talk about that in just a second. So what have we got then? So we've got this week a nice roundup of other stories. As I say, we've got uh, Google NVIDIA uh, talking about uh, Microsoft. We're going to talk MSI. We're going to talk War Thunder. Now, if you can't think what's War Thunder, well, remembering War Thunder is that, uh, uh, what's it, uh, strategy? No, it's a... It's a flight sim kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's kind of isn't it a mix up of like flight sim, like tank War, sim, tank stuff, sim, yeah. like battlefield sim, isn't it basically? Um, yeah. Where people in that for, people who play that game have there as a forum, and let's put it this way, they like to prove a point. Right, <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, we're also going to talk about Twitter, and as I mentioned earlier, some Apple product releases this week as such. So no Apple event; these are all being done by press releases, haven't they? And it's uh, Bit of a kind yeah, of a quietly out the back door approach, I suppose, for Apple. Yep. But let's kick off then this week with a quick roundup then of what's going on with Microsoft and their Activision Blizzard takeover. Well, the oh. stalled takeover, I should say, shouldn't I? Indeed, indeed. Uh, so uh, it's time for Google and NVIDIA to get in on the old game, isn't it? Of course it, it is. Uh, of course it is. <laughs> because why not? So, yeah, they both said they're going to have their say on the Microsoft Activision deal and they provided their objections to the FTC. So these are some interesting ones. So apparently these sources wish to stay anonymous, but they had told Bloomberg uh, that Google and NVIDIA provided information that backs a key FTC contention, uh, namely that Microsoft could gain an unfair advantage in the market for cloud, subscription, and mobile gaming. Um, and we, we obviously we didn't get Google's statement, but we managed to get NVIDIA's remarks, okay? And apparently they stressed the need for equal access to games, but did not directly oppose the acquisition. You know, I think that's probably fair. Uh, they do have a streaming platform themselves, don't they? Yep, they do. Uh, so, yeah. And Microsoft are saying, you know, they're not going to be blocking access to the games. I think that's a fair one. But I'm still puzzled why Google are getting involved. Well, I was just going to say, to a degree, NVIDIA really haven't got a fight in this, a dog in this fight, so to speak. No. Because with NVIDIA's shield or cloud gaming capability, you you leverage other services don't you to use the yeah game they on. don't provide games themselves they provide the rendering platform and the streaming infrastructure but you provide the licensing for the games hence why they want the games to still be available on multiple platforms yeah and microsoft have been very clear that uh you know they um <laughs> you know not gonna not gonna hold that back you know that's one of their key tenets no. isn't it around this deal and um you know it's it's nice but google uh hang on a minute this is the company that's just shut down Stadia or is going to be, isn't it, in the coming days? Uh, as of now, I think it's dead. Yeah. So uh, Stadia's... The 19th, wasn't it, January? So what's Google's fight here? I am completely yeah. missing this because <laughs> is you know what what advantage do they have by opposing this deal? What are they, I don't you know, they're not no, a so gaming they... company. Nothing. No, they don't have a game streaming platform. They don't have a game subscription service. So and as no. far as I'm aware, they don't make mobile games. But Microsoft also published their apps and services for both iOS and Android. So it's not like Microsoft is saying, well, I'm going to take all those games and only put them on iOS now. 
because they publish no. on all, all platforms. They even have an Android phone themselves. The only thing I can think of is that maybe Activision uses Google Cloud for its hosting on its sites and its own multiplayer oh, servers. Oh, yes. And they'd move it to Azure. That was the, I don't know if they do, but it was the only thing I could think of that might be why they're getting involved. That's a really interesting point. I, you know, when you think, when you take a step back, you're right. There could be existing GCP deals here, you know, Google Cloud Platform. Yeah. But to rip out and move a lift and shift to Azure isn't always that simple, is it? That, that's that's not a kind of a flick a switch job. That's going to be real. No, it's not. There. But it it would where it'd be where Microsoft would be aiming to push stuff, surely, because it's less cost for them. Yeah, no, that's a valid point. But taking that part aside, it's very hard to understand what Google's actual issue is here isn't it you know so yeah i don't know interesting but say we didn't get we didn't get that information out of the report so only what nvidia were worried about no but i think as you say i think the unfair maybe theirs is definitely more aligned to the unfair advantage for cloud therefore as you say companies leveraging microsoft's cloud capabilities to publish games host games as opposed to leveraging gcp or or i guess aws in the same breadth as well but on that point as well, around the Activision deal, then, uh, yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> it never you know, ends. It never ends, doesn't it? And we were saying before about the EU is investigating, isn't it? And they've now kind of upped the ante a little bit, haven't they, around this uh, antitrust issue? Yeah, so yeah, the EU Commission, they're reading what they call a charge sheet. Uh, it's basically a statement of obje- objections setting out its concerns about the deal. Uh, that, this is going to be sent to Microsoft in the coming weeks. Now, this isn't their final decision. It's just a heads up that this is what they're worried about. And I think it's it's Microsoft then have the ability to come back to them and say, well, this is how what we're going to do here. This is how we'll allay these fears, etc." So it's a chance, for, I think, for Microsoft to, to speak about what it's going to do. But I think the actual final decision is due on the 11th of April. So there's still a little bit of time there. And, and the thing is, isn't it, that, it's it's likely that the you know that the uh, EU regulators won't be able to open any deal or negotiation until they've levied the charges, so to speak, and they put them on the exactly. table. So then Microsoft can counter those on it, and I think that's what we're waiting exactly. for here, isn't it? On that, but it was confirmed though in that same statement that Microsoft have you know we talked about Nintendo, didn't we, in the ten year deal for Call of Duty? Yeah, that's definitely confirmed now that they have said that that deal is on the table, but of course awaits. Uh, Sony's agreement, doesn't it? That uh, you know they they're happy to move forward with it. <sighs> Sony are not going to agree to anything. Not this, not this week, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, you got to feel you have got to feel for Microsoft here because it's you know this deal is huge. It's you know if not the largest acquisition they've done, it's going to drive a huge part of their business going forward. And, you know, I suppose, you know, it's probably costing a lot of money as well, isn't it? While they burn through legal... Oh, yeah. uh, Outside of the 69 billion for the actual buyout. Yeah, massively, massively. And I guess, you know, that kind of leads us to where we're going next. And we talked, alluded to that in the in the, the sort of cold open there around the, the layoffs oh. and the tech industry. Well, it was announced, wasn't it, earlier this week uh, that Microsoft yeah. are laying off uh, approximately 10,000 employees. Now... That has uh, not been quantified to say where they are, but it does appear to be worldwide, doesn't it? From what from it does, it's, it's what about five percent of the workforce, isn't it? Um, Around that, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Satya Nadella did put out a statement, uh, basically saying that you know uh, the company will be making changes that will result in the reduction of overall workforce by ten thousand jobs uh, through the end of financial year twenty three quarter three. So there's a 
it's not an immediate 10,000 jobs gone, but it's going to be over the next uh, you know, months. Uh, although he did go on to say that the company will continue to hire in key strategic areas, <laughs> which is always what you want to hear when you're losing yeah. a job. Uh, you're not one of the key people they need. So, um, but yeah, apparently more than 800 employees were notified on the day, and, so, and, and the, the rest will be uh, completed by the end of March or get their, at least their notifications. Um, but we, we did hear some snippets, not directly from Microsoft, but we heard some rumors about where these are from. And mm. the cuts seem to be coming from uh, HoloLens and Edge teams. Uh, the marketing department. Uh, and actually, they bizarrely, they're gaming studios. Uh, Three Four Three Industries, which is uh, Halo. They, they're first responsible for Halo and Bethesda as well, which is obviously one of their previous acquisitions. Yeah, which that must sting as well, given you know they're trying to buy other studios and they're laying off certain members of the existing studio teams. Uh, but yeah, I think it is quite. This is significant. Mm. This is much much larger than. The layoff they did last year, which is around one yep. percent, if I remember correctly. You know, they he stated in it that, um, particularly in the US, at least they'll what's it? They'll get above market severance pay. They're going to get their healthcare covered for uh, I think six months, six and they'll months, also yep. get, and they'll also get their RSUs or, or stock vesting for six months as well. Um, and then and a minimum of sixty days notice, isn't it, prior to termination? Well, I'm guessing the whole stock one's quite an interesting one though. Because I thought that. I've been made redundant before, and I had a, a large number of vesting stock due in like the next month, and didn't get any of it. I guess this That's is part smooth, of the package. Yeah, this is smoothing the exit, though, isn't it? I suppose for these people, it is. It is. Yeah, and looking at those those divisions, uh, Hololens, I can kind of understand, especially after the news, and I don't think we discussed it on this show about the military not renewing their order for more That's Hololens right, yet, yeah. so they weren't happy with it. So I can kind of see that, and actually, to an extent, the gaming studios because. What's the betting they've just been operating independently and now they're starting that integration piece. So there's going to be a lot of duplication of back office staff that uh, you know, Microsoft probably has functions for, so it doesn't need another team doing the same job. No, I think that's definitely uh, probably a very valid point because you're right. They're looking to consolidate roles. As you say, if, if they've come in through acquisition, we all know that there's a period, isn't there, where you know they run independently, but at some, changes, point, yeah. at some point that has to break, doesn't it? And you have to become part of a parent organization. And you're right, there's probably a, probably a crossover in roles uh, and those sort of things as well. So that that kind of makes sense there. But I think what was also interesting in that statement from Nadella was that they're also taking a $1.2 billion charge in the yep. Q2 earnings. And that is covering the severance costs. They're also consolidating several leases as well across the different offices they have worldwide. Yeah. Again, that's a knock-on from COVID, surely, where you know the hybrid workforce and removing buildings they're not using. But that's you know that's a lot of money to be writing down for a quarter, the, yeah. not a year, for a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's quite it's quite painful for them. I mean, you have to feel for those people at MS. You know, you think you know large companies are not immune to these things, given that they've got a lot of money. No, they're not. But. I think they're not. I mean, I, I have today seen a couple of people on LinkedIn already, uh, not really? personal, not personal connections, but you know, people that you know they from you know friends of yeah, what's it you know uh, connections posting a connection is it or resharing That's the one, them. yeah. Um, and it was yeah, it's telling. It's telling already that these people are, uh, you know, they are already looking for roles. I think I saw a couple of people, some who workplace managers in the US, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, and I suppose in all fairness, if you're going to go out of 10,000, you want to go first. So there's more jobs out there currently for you to go and get a, a job in. Well, and that's the thing, isn't it? Kind of, you know, the other part of this is that, as we said, Google have now just announced themselves 
that they too are laying off 12,000 people in the round, their latest round. So this this a story that's broken today, 20th of January. It's minutes been... before we went on air, wasn't it? So, uh... yeah. so I thought it was relevant that we raised this. I appreciate, you know, we probably have it there. But this is around 6% of their global workforce. Um, they yep. said, and uh, uh, Sundar Apichai has said that uh, in his statement, uh, that this is a moment for the company to, I quote, sharpen our focus, re-engineer our cost base and direct our talent and capital to the highest priorities. And that apparently artificial, pardon me, <laughs> cough, coughing yeah. there as I, uh, artificial intelligence will be a key area going forward. Well, that's telling because actually on a kind of random point, what did Microsoft just make a huge investment in this last week? Ah. Uh... Uh, the people that run Chat GBT, didn't they? Uh, they is it OpenAI? OpenAI, isn't it? They took uh, they took a massive investment into Chat. Um, sorry, to Open OpenAI, open wasn't AI, it? Yeah. Uh, where I think they I think they added close to a billion dollars or something in in in, uh, in investment. Wow. Yeah. Um, which they they uh, no sorry they um they invested I think more than that more than that several billion dollars because they now own forty nine percent of the company. Um, the parent company owns the other forty nine percent, and then two percent has been left over for the smaller investors. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of you know kind of one breath you know say about AI and this Google saying they're going to you know, but you know this uh, you know Google one again. So that's another twelve thousand people um, because last week, <sighs> last week they uh, or earlier in the month I should say they announced um, layoffs at one of their health subsidiaries that uh you know part of form part of the alphabet umbrella uh, yeah. and also at intrinsic which develops uh software for robots uh, industrial ah, capabilities yeah. so there i i really do think there is a uh <laughs> i think it's a recession coming you know that's not my you know i'm yeah. not an economist but you can't help but start to wonder is there a recession on the way isn't it you know Yep, it's not been great, has it? A great start to the year. No, not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, so, you know, we'll, if any more of these come up, we, we will certainly, you know, talk about it. But uh, given that, uh, you know, in the last few months, we've had Meta laying off 11,000 people. We have. A- Amazon, we're close to 20,000 people. Yep. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not a great time at all, is it really, in that sense? Not at all, not at all. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, to all those people who have lost their jobs, uh, we wish you the best of luck. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. So moving across then, let's talk a little bit about MSI and uh, what, what I can only describe mm. as the weirdest uh, kind of security I've ever seen in a while. But go on. So uh, hands up, who's got an MSI motherboard currently? <laughs> you? Uh, uh, me? Uh, <laughs> and guess what? Mine's affected. Uh, but it seems, yeah, this is just bizarre. Okay, so it seems that secure boot, the, sorry, the secure boot process on almost 300 different uh, motherboards from MSI isn't actually secure. It does boot, it's just not secure. Um, and this came about because uh, uh, open source security researcher, uh, Dawid Potocki, um, he's based in New Zealand. He's found that some MSI motherboards with certain firmware versions basically allow arbitrary binaries to boot despite them violating the secure boot policy. So, for those that don't know Secure Boot, it's, uh, um, it's basically a security standard built into the BIOS of your motherboard that's supposed to kind of check the cryptographic signatures on each piece of software that's booted. So it could be your uh, UFI firmware drivers, IFI applications, the operating system itself. And only once, you know, 
they know the the executable or what you're loading hasn't been modified in any way because the signatures match yeah. and then allows them to boot. And obviously you can remove items from the allowed list and you can add items in. So it's not just Windows. Linux has a secure bootloader as well, which you can add to the list so you can boot from Linux as well if you want to. But it seems that they're, they've got secure boot enabled, but I've told it when, you, when it hits an executable or a firmware that isn't valid, to allow it to run anyway. <laughs> yes. There's not, much, there's not much you can say to that, is there? So Beyond, I can't see know? a point of having your boot enabled if it, when it catches something, it just allows it to run anyway. Yeah, yeah, the mind boggles on that one. So Dalwyd reached out to MSI when he discovered the flaw. So this is over a month ago, but surprise, surprise, got zero response. Uh, but I think now with all the press they've stumbled on this, MSI have fa- finally responded now. And th- this is a doozy. It really is. It's talking about shifting the blame. So I said, MSI implemented the secure boot mechanism in our board products by following the design guidance defined by Microsoft and AMI before la- launch of Windows 11. Uh, then, they went on to say, we basically preemptively set the secure boot as enabled and always execute as the default setting to offer a user-friendly environment that allows multiple end-user flexibility to build their PC, sorry, PC systems with thousands or more components that include, sorry, that include built-in option ROMs, OS images, etc., etc. Then it says, yeah, for users who are highly concerned about security, they can still set image execution policy to deny. Now, hold on there. I'm probably 110% sure that Microsoft did not provide design guidance on enabling no. your boot, but allowing it to run anything. Uh, yeah, I call them on that one. Now, I know Windows 11 required secure boot, doesn't it? So this is yeah. why quite a lot of CPUs that could actually run on Windows 11, no problem, because the specs requirements aren't really any more than Windows 10, couldn't no. because they didn't support secure boot. And I know MSI did push out BIOSes to everyone, were enabling secure default, uh, sorry, secure boot by default, so that when they upgraded to Windows 11, it worked and didn't break the system. I had to go dive into the bars and figure it out. What I can only suppose has actually happened is they've gone, well, if we enable this now, how many support calls are we going to get about this? About not being able to boot, etc., because we've enabled it and we've blocked non-signed stuff. And they've gone, you know what? We'll just allow this out. It will allow you to boot Windows 11, uh, but we won't get any of the support calls involved. You have to ask yourself, what the hell are MSI doing here, isn't it? I mean... Yeah. I've kind of... I've always kind of gone to MSI because... Well, not... Mainly because when I'm looking at motherboards, I usually have the PCI Express lane set up how I want them. So I've got an X16, which is actually X16. I've got another X16, which is an 8. I get a 4X as well, which isn't... You know, great for a 10 gig network card if you've got a modern one. Quite a lot of other manufacturers don't give you that 4X slot. Yep. Yep. So I was like, ah, oh. so the last time I've always had that because that means I can add all the cards that I need and not have to worry about it or not have to sacrifice anything. But uh, it's making me reconsider for my next board. Oh, it does, doesn't it? I, I, well, I have to say, I, I quite like it with some of the boards I've had in the past. But yeah, given this very peculiar approach, I I I would be giving it a wide berth at this time. Personally speaking, I'm just you know. Yeah, so I did see the last comment saying they're now going to push out a new updated biases that basically do it the proper way around. But I imagine that's going to 
affect multiple people's PCs, but probably only the guys that actually go and update firmware, BIOS. People that don't, then it's not really going to affect them, is there? Hey, and it's only, yeah. I suppose, I imagine it's probably only as tech-savvy people that actually go and update BIOSes. Well, we've had that before, haven't we, where we see machines, you know, like the BIOS is just the same as it was shipped from the factory, and that's like, you know, how many X number yeah. of years ago. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, you and I, and other power users certainly would do if getting a machine yep. or a server, update the BIOS for capability, security, and other aspects. But yeah, you're right. Your general general user typically does not ever... Uh, no. So they would have bought it from the shop. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and this only affects MSI's desktop boards, apparently. The, their laptops, boards and stuff, or complete laptops have it enabled properly by design but then they've come i suppose msi built in the complete kit haven't they at that point if they're doing the laptop so they can certify it's all properly uh cryptographically signed mm, very peculiar well and it's interesting as you say that this is could be a deliberate move by uh, msi isn't it which is very peculiar if it is the case yeah yeah but it's, <laughs> not a great look yeah yeah well, <laughs> that else that isn't a great look. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so War Thunder, War Thunder. Oh dear. So here we go again. I mean, we talked for about not, this before, for not the we? first one, is it? No, this is no, the first the, time no. or the second. It's not even the third time. From my own memory, this is going to be like the fourth time. Oh, like I... Someone has basically leaked restricted military intel on the War Thunder forums to try and win an argument. I mean, so as we said, so War Thunder is this, you know, online game where, you know, it's a modern battlefield where you can uh, fly planes, tanks, ships, etc. isn't it? And you level up, I guess, don't you? So as you progress through the game, you have access to additional material. Now, before we had somebody in the the, the War Thunder forums settling an argument, I think it was, if I recall, around uh, main battle tank, wasn't it? At the time. Yep. Um, posted what was... Com- uh, classified information that wasn't you know freely available in the public domain and obviously carried major issues legal issues if you know that well as you say this has happened again now but this refers to not a tank but this is the f-16 uh fighter uh which uh the u.s yeah. currently used isn't it so uh you know it is it's still fighter. currently uh I, i'm not sure if the f-16a is still used no uh, i mean they're, they're well up to i mean but the, the f-16 yeah. is a general platform so to speak exactly. Uh, is is in use, is it? Yeah, so this was a user by the name of Space Navy 90. And this is an odd one. So it wasn't like he was trying to win an argument. He was trying to, I suppose, head off an argument. So he, he wrote basically, said, interesting thing I found during my research. During early AMRAN testing, you can see how the F-16A would equip the AIM-120 and use TWS on a non-MFD stores control panel SFP. But before the argument even started, he then uploaded a full technical documentation for it to the forum. Uh, and this document is restrict- and a classified restricted, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this is it. This is the whole point of it. So this is a restricted document. Whilst it is available in the public domain, so to speak, in the sense that it's not highly classified, it has uh, export restrictions on it, doesn't it? So you can't... It does, yeah. A distribution statement, yeah, doesn't you, it? Yeah. You can't sort of like post it anywhere. It has to stay within... Him. And this is just, this is nuts. This is, again, it's just like, oh my God, where are these people doing from? And clearly War Thunder, you know, game with, you know, which has users from around the world is not an approved platform uh, to, to post this on. <laughs> no, no, definitely was not in the distribution statement. <laughs> uh, but anyway, apparently that has been pulled from the forum, hasn't it? Uh, the moderators got involved. 
Uh, as one of the users commented, there's actually a penalty of conviction of unauthorized disclosure, including up to 10 years in prison, a large fine, or both. Yeah. You can go to jail for this. The the US takes, you know, very seriously around their export content, especially around, you know, uh, information on military platforms. I mean, you know, we work in the software industry. We see that as well, you know, in software, don't we? You export know, control, cryptography, control, stuff like that, that, yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit. But on the other hand... You just to take a step back though. On the other hand, if it is in the public domain, so it's clearly if this person has done research and they've defined it, you've got to kind of question how sensitive is it. You see my view here? Yeah, I still wouldn't yeah. risk it. No, no, no. But what I mean is, how not over a game of War Thunder? No, how sensitive is this? Because if, if you know, let's be honest, if you or I can no. go off in a bit of Google foo and probably find it as well, you've got to question, you know. Is it really that yeah. important? And if it refers to uh, the F-16A, which it possibly does, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, we're now up to what the F-16, I think F is the, the current version that the or the E and the F, which is what the current, I think the US are in. There are other versions that go up to, I think, N and, and uh, uh, you know, Q with their, their different yep. versions. But the the US is currently flying the F, the, the, the F variant. Um so you're talking several variants on the software, the platform. Everything is absolutely different about that plane, isn't it? Apart from yeah, this is what a know, forty year old plane by now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, so but it, it has to be War Thunder. It's just it's just of all the places. Every time it's back here again, isn't it? So yeah, <laughs> not yeah, a good. Tune in in a couple more months for another story on War I'm Thunder. I'm sure we will. <laughs> but let's see, maybe a ship or a submarine this time, just for you know. Uh, oh yeah, a bit of variety, please, guys. Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. Talking of though, getting a slap on the wrist. Then uh, back over oh. here in the UK. Uh, we're now pushing forward with the uh, the what's it the online safety online safety bill, bill. yeah, which kind of died a little bit, didn't it? But it's been resurrected with the the new government under Rishi died Sina. several times. <laughs> yes, and never actually uh, made it through yet. And then the defib uh, was uh, was put to it, and it's come back to life. Um, and it appears to be moving forward, doesn't it? Um, and could pass uh, if if the government uh, sign off it. However. In one yeah. of the last stages of the votes in the House of Commons, which for those, again, from, from outside the UK, the House of Commons is the main legislative, legislative I can't say the word, chamber uh, of legislative. government. Yep. That's the right one. Thank you very much. Um, and to get through you know, any new law, we have to pass several votes before signing off. Now, this has completed that in the House of Commons and goes now to the House of Lords, which will eventually you know, either approve it, ratify uh, it, and, yeah. and sign it off into law. Um, and that will take a while, thankfully. However, though, there has been a new term added in, isn't it? That it has. Uh, where the wording is a little bit... Well, I want to say the wording's a little bit dated, isn't it, in how it's going to hmm. tackle certain offences. So, Carl, do you want to take yeah. us through it? Yeah. So, basically, this is all around... Um, so basically, uh, yeah, but tech company executives found to be deliberately exposing children to harmful content could soon risk steep fines and jail time of up to two years. Now, I'm paraphrasing here when I say company executives. They actually say managers, don't they? They do indeed. Managers haven't really run companies, or not certainly not tech companies, for a very long time. Your managers are people, yeah, they're just nowhere near the top. You've got managers, senior managers, directors, VPs, before you even hit the C-level, haven't you? And those are the guys ultimately in charge. Um, but yeah, the report says that these tech executives uh, for platforms hosting user-generated content 
would only be liable if they fail to take proportionate measures to prevent exposing children to harmful content, such as materials fe featuring child sexual abuse, child abuse, eating disorders, and self-harm. Uh, but yeah, the fines are big, up to 10% of the company's global revenue. Um, and uh, yeah, potentially two years in prison. But you know, they can avoid this by putting things like uh, age verification, parental controls, and policing content. It's just like you say, you know, middle management, low level management do not run companies, you know, certainly no. in the tech organizations of, of the kind that we are talking about here that will uh, possibly, you know, not allow, but, you know, will act, yeah. content will be available on. The people who are, you know, ultimately responsible for it are getting away from it then, aren't they? You know? yeah. Managers manage people in tech companies. They don't manage the product and the company. No, a product manager is not a manager in the sense of management, is it? It's you know, it's nope. an operational role, uh, you know, in the the issued design and development of such product or access or tool or whatever you want to call it. It's just very, very dated. And and to say that you know the culture secretary who wants to push for this amendment you know she was quoted as saying additional teeth to deliver change and ensure people are held to account yeah great but you're targeting yep. the wrong people here in that sense you know the executive level should be uh yeah. well, ultimately should be the one's actually forward, in charge yeah. yeah so you say this is an interesting bill you know on the one hand it's got some good points like this other, other than the saying managers rather than c-level uh i think it's a good thing especially if they've got teeth you know they can actually enforce it now and people may go to prison if they don't pull the finger out for want of a better word. But there's a big but here from me. This is also the same bill where they're trying to sneak backdoor into encryption. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's a very valid point. Yeah, yeah. So on that hand, I, yeah, I can't stand behind this bill because that would be ten times worse. It, it it's not it's not giving you much, is it? Here to feel that actually it's going to do what it says on the tin. Uh, no, I, I feel on the other hand, it's it could cause more issues. Now, I mean, if they obviously put some fines in and uh, jail time for the MPs, if my data gets out there due to the backdoors in their encryption, I stand behind it. That's but I guarantee point. not one single one of them is going to put their name or head on the block for that, are they? No, of course they're not. Don't be daft. No, no, exactly. Don't be daft at all. I. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest, given some of the, the high profile issues, you know, we've had, you know, for example, um, you know, Facebook, of course, like that, you know, where are the where's the accountability for the senior executives there who ultimately are overseeing, you know, those, those the, the company, the product and the service? You know? uh, also, how's it going to work if you're, uh, OK, say take manage that and it is at there, do actually mean the C-suite and the C-suite is living in the US, for example. No. They're not going to do a, a what do you call it? Um, I've forgotten the word now. Uh, get get them sent over here to be put in prison, are they? Uh, oh no, 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 yeah. no, no, of course not. Nobody's going to be extra. Don't be daft. <laughs> so who's actually? Uh, are they just going to take the highest level person in the UK, even if they're well, not responsible for it. Well, that's that's the way it kind of feels, isn't it? You know that uh, potentially people who are not not um indi or indirectly i guess are going to be punished yep. for this um whether, whether you know let's just say take a facebook or something let's just you know as an example not stating um but you know somebody in mark zuckerberg's uh, organization or his leadership chain you know should be there for 
uh, brought forward for punishment or at least, um, mm. you know, brought to brought to you know account for it. Now, again, just to be clearly state that as an example, that's not what we're saying is happening. Um, but yeah, I just I I don't again. This is legislation which is clearly not being given the right level of scrutiny. It if it like has people got, that know what they're doing well, and know the industry. Well, if it has got industry, if it has got industry. Mm. Um, backing or research into it then something needs to be done because the way it reads and the information that's coming out again do not show to me at least that this government fully understands uh, the tech industry and particularly the internet that's that's my personal opinion. <laughs> but has any government well no no that's no. not very valid. no, no. <laughs> they don't <sighs> yeah breathe 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 okay next story next story Oh, our dear friends at Twitter. Yes, our dear <laughs> Oh, it's just gone from bad to worse. Isn't it? So a week ago, I think numerous third-party Twitter apps basically stopped working. Uh, without warning, Just and quite often they just even wouldn't load or they got over a 404 access denied kind of messages popping up. So, but some continued to work. So they didn't think it was an actual API issue at Twitter's end. Um, and even oddly, some apps that had both iOS and Android clients would only work on one platform and not the other. So, but Twitter said nothing until this week on the 17th, but Twitter finally responded with a single single statement saying, Twitter is enforcing its long, long-standing API rules. That may result in some apps not working. Uh, they didn't go on to say what those long-standing rules were or anything like no, that. Gave no. no hint. Just that was the only statement. Well, you could probably guess where this was going, really. So <laughs> as of yesterday... Twitter has quietly updated its developer agreement to make it clear that app makers are no longer permitted to create their own clients. But no official statement has been given. They just sneakily updated the T's and C's there. Um, yep, and that, that's all we know. There's been no further statement from Musk or Twitter, though Twitter doesn't actually have a communication department anymore, so why would we? Um, my only guess on this, really, it's got to be about ad money, hasn't it? Got to be. Because if you're a third party app using the API, and that's quite why people use third party apps, they don't see all Twitter's ads, which is obviously cutting off revenue for Musk. And and as he said, that Twitter's not making any money, it's hemorrhaging it. So I suspect this is why they're doing it. This is definitely closing the door, isn't it? As you say, to to people not engaging the advert uh, the adverts this is now making sure that you know you are locked into the twitter ecosystem you're going to get front and center all of the uh badly targeted apps that they have and you cannot escape <laughs> you know, that's but in doing so again they are absolutely destroying their customer base aren't they oh, people's livelihoods as well because yeah. twitter can't make up its mind whether it wants third party and developer support or not. I mean, the last time before Musk came in, they were all for it. Uh, so people have gone and they built apps, built livelihoods on it, and now it's just been destroyed in, well, a matter of a week with no statement. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Absolutely terrible that they, they've got to that stage. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the amount of people that have been wanting to use these apps, go to use it, are thinking, oh, they broke, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's this me, you know, actually, no, no, it's Twitter. But Twitter has... Why not the... make a subscription for access to API? Yeah, because then but yeah, the problem with that though then is if you're an app developer and you're pushing a free app, then you. Uh, but quite, I imagine I'm not sure. I've never actually looked at a third party client because I haven't really used Twitter that long. Uh, I just presume they were probably all paid for apps anyway. 
I, well, I look, I'll be honest with you, it's been a long time um, since I've used a third party client myself. I think there's what the Tweet Deck is one of them, isn't it? I think is. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Uh, Twitter um, Army? Twitter Army? Something like that. Tweet, yeah, deck is, one. tweet Deck is free, as far as I'm aware. Oh, is it? Okay. I think, though, I've, though, though, my understanding is that you can. Um, uh, you can increase, you know, I think I'm guessing through subscription, you can increase what the capabilities of the app are. But I, right. I, I remember signing up for it and not having to pay. Okay, okay. But I mean, even at that point, they said that, well, if you now want to use it, there'd be a, a X amount per month, which covers whatever Twitter are charging for API access. It would at least give them an option. Yeah, if you're true, it would give you an option, definitely. While they might not see adverts, Twitter is still making money. Well, no, that's that's the problem they've got right now, isn't it? They're not making enough of that. Well, yeah, but I don't think I've ever clicked on an ad in Twitter. I just no, generally... I... My brain is going to just ignore adverts in all these applications. I, I've, <laughs> I've I've reported several ads for being scams or... or uh, <laughs> yeah, I've done that one. And the amount of ones I've seen are generally financial ones. Yeah, I yeah, report definitely. that. Definitely, yeah, that's good. But yes, broken broken Twitter API, and as you say, Twitter is saying that it's belonging its long-standing API rules. Well, they can't be that long-standing because clearly, you know, things were working prior to this change. But I yeah. can't help but feel that Mr. Musk has stubbed, shoved his fingers into this, and off we go. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right then, so let's let's talk through then quickly before we get to the tip wrap rumor mill. The recent Apple uh, product releases that slipped out the door this week uh, through press release rather than the uh, well, there was a twenty minute video, but I've not watched the video yet. Well, it's hardly a it's hardly a slick uh, <laughs> no. product release, uh, isn't it? Let's be honest, you know. Oh, so what what did we get, Jay? We got uh, we got brand new MacBook Pros with uh, M2 Pro and M2 Max um, chips inside okay. them. These yep. come with 8K HDMI. They also support Wi-Fi 6E as well, and that gives okay. us now the uh, the M2 the M we'll get now. Sorry, the Pro and the uh, Max lineup, which now matches yep. the M1 chips that we saw last year. Interestingly, though, early indications from testing showing that they are suffering from the same memory and cooling issues or bandwidth <sighs> issues anyway that we saw with yep. the M2 when that was released earlier on. Um, interestingly, hmm. Apple also is saying, though, that the according to Apple, I should say, they're saying that they've got the longest battery life ever of Mac with approximately 22 hours of runtime in a Mac. I mean, that is something. I mean, take wow. Oh, the yeah, eight, that's the, the 8K display with HDMI again is amusing because I just I'm still in my head. It's like, who the hell is using 8K? I mean, it's just you know, <laughs> but but the real kick in the teeth is apparently hmm. they now support up to four external displays. <laughs> I did chuckle when I heard that one. <laughs> yes, I stuck my teeth there. Um, another interesting point with these M2 is the spec on these. So we had a look at this on yeah. the website, didn't we? Um, yeah. You can spec a MacBook now up to 96 gig of RAM and 8 terabyte of storage in a MacBook. Yeah. 12 CPU cores and 38 core GPU in the right, Max, the isn't it? Yeah. Now, um, if you want you... all of that, that's going to cost you... Six thousand seven hundred forty-nine pounds. Ouch! That's a lot of money. A lot. That of is a lot. A lot of change. Uh, uh, the, the pricing. <laughs> the pricing has gone up as well. Uh, you know, you're looking over here in the UK. At least you're looking at over two thousand pounds for the entry level uh, Mac <sighs> M2 Pro. That's getting as well. pricey. That's it is getting, getting very pricey, pricey as well. 
I mean, the, and the early indications are, you know, very good machines. Again, you're looking at a step up. But I think what we're starting to see here is despite, well, I, I'll rephrase that. I think what we're starting to see here is similar to the Intel system where we had the TikTok, didn't we? That's what we've got here. Yeah. Um, and the actual the actual bell curve of the real performance increases is now limited, isn't it? Apple state otherwise in their lovely pie charts. And, uh-huh. and, and, but real but world still, Real world we're still testing. comparing it to Intel-based MacBook Pros, aren't they? Yeah, and the problem we're not now. What you what they need to do now is instead of you know comparing a Lamborghini a Ferrari, actually you're comparing two Ferraris that are the same model, but one's released last year, one's released this year. It's marginal increases, and I think for the average punter in the street, to use that phrase, you are not going to see massive difference if you take an M2 no. Pro versus an M1 Pro. No, uh, no, exactly. You know. You know, they're saying, you know, that you know, Apple comes out with these great things, they're saying things like, you know, um, you know, Adobe Photoshop is 80% faster than the fastest Intel-based Mac. Okay, makes sense. They're also saying that it's 40% faster than the previous M uh, M generation. You know, we're seeing things like that, and they're saying again, stuff is two and a half times faster. Again, as you say, against Intel-based MacBook Pros. So it Yeah. But in the same sentence, so then saying so it's well. The wording is the key. So here's a statement from Apple. Compiling in Xcode is up to 2.5 times faster than the fastest Intel MacBook Pro and nearly 25% faster than the previous generation. So you've got two me- two two statements there, two uh, yeah. me- measurement statuses. They're not the same. That is not the same, is it? Two, two, two and a half times faster and 25%. Yep. That's not the same statement. And that's Intel-based match, not... Intel-based anything. No, so again, so they're comparing are, it to their old what? When does the last Intel-based MacBook Pro? Well, we're, two, we're if we go back to proper release, we're two, at least two years ago. Minimum yeah? of two years ago, yeah. Yeah, and even then, I'm guessing Apple weren't rocking the latest Intel. No, of course they weren't. I just so I look. I'm not saying had, they're not fast. They are very fast machines. They are very fast. But machines. Apple's metrics when it comes to performance and showing that. A terrible and uh, very misleading. Well, exactly. And given and given that um, some independent testers were seeing uh, some major issues with the M the M one. So one of the testers, uh, Vadim Yurovay, uh, Yurovay, I pronounced that wrongly. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, he's part of uh, Max Tech, isn't he? The Max Tech YouTube channel. Yeah. They tested a thirty. Uh, they tested, sorry, the last generation thirty-two core M1 Max in a fourteen-inch MacBook Pro, and they their conclusion was that it was barely faster than the two and a half grand sixteen-core M1 Pro sixteen-inch MacBook for eight K RAW, and the reason was all to do with overheating a thermal throttling. So they they are they are very concerned as a as a testing platform that the thirty-eight core M2 Max um, M2 Max chip is going to have a the same issue. Chassis, yeah. I really think, and I think you know, to use your statement earlier, Apple have Apple have hit a real roadblock with cooling in this M series now. But they don't really do much cooling. I've seen some teardowns. It's, it's all passive, and it's basically it? all passive. And even the very, it's a very very thin sheet of aluminium that's basically planted on top to uh, to help cool it. There's no fans. There's no heat pipe design or anything like that to draw that heat away. It's just like they haven't tried. No, and I, and this is the problem. I think the M1s were such a radical leap forward, and because remember those early M1 chips were still in the old Intel chassis um, 
yep. MacBooks, weren't they? It was we bigger, saw... it was thicker. Add the, it, the, it had the cooling for Intel, didn't it? Yeah, and we saw huge leaps across the board. Yep. M2 series, with the current chassis design, they are plateauing. We are hitting that thermal shutdown, that sorry, thermal throttling, I mean, uh, issue with it. And that doesn't help also because alongside that, they launched the M2 uh, Mac Mini with Pro, uh, with an M2. And but that was from a cooling, I imagine. Yeah, but it's the same problem because it's still as thin. It's not, the cooling's not going to be much better in those because it's not going to be massive. But the, the minis in the M1s had actual fans in them, didn't they? They did, but I, I haven't seen a teardown on the, whether that's been in the same. So I was going to presume being the same chassis, it would actually have active cooling. So we might not get this throttling. Well, you want to hope so because we certainly don't see it in the studio, which has got the much bigger peak, yeah. you know, block, isn't it? Like you can't get the, you can only get the M2 Pro, can't you, for the mini? You get M2 yeah. and M2 Pro, there's no, no M2 Max. Max. What does that tell uh, you? Well, that's segmentation, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> they don't want to cannibalize is, the studio. That one, bingo. That is, you want a studio, and this is why I still don't get why the the Mac Mini exists. Personally speaking, however, the uh, the Mac Mini current Mac Mini now allows you to get, as you say, M2 or M2 Pro. Uh, the I/O ports not too different from the last ones. We get two Thunderbolt fours. We get two USB A. We get uh, gigabit or ten gigabit. Or ten gig. Yeah. Um, and if you get the if you buy the M2 Pro, you get two additional Thunderbolt 4 pulse, uh, which again is our limitation on the bus, which drives us absolutely nuts on the PCI Express lanes, isn't it, as well? It is. Um, I was, I mean, obviously, I was totting this up. Now, this isn't as expensive as your MacBook Pro, is it? No. Uh, but actually, if you went and you don't need eight terabyte storage and you just want something sensible, let's just put in, you know, the top end 12 core, 19 core GPU, 32 gig of RAM, 10 gig Ethernet, a terabyte of storage, you're coming at about £2,400. Which is not too you, bad. Yeah, not too bad. And actually, for once, Apple aren't doing too bad. If you were to take the 14-inch MacBook Pro with the same configuration, granted, you're getting a screen and a battery included, that's £3,099. Yeah. It, it, so there's a good, it, what, £700 saving. And obviously, if you drop the 10 gig Ethernet, you can look at another £100 off. So that's an £800 saving by ditching a screen and a battery if you don't need it. And that's the thing. I think if you if you are somebody that's already got the equipment and you're just trying to, you know, this is a great way to do it. You know, so for example, looking at me, I've got already my own keyboard mouse. I've got you know my own screens. Yeah. The Mac the Mac Mini would slot nicely in behind those at the minute, but it's still hampered. And to me, the studio is a. I think the studio is a better option if you need more. If you need more, but on the other hand, if you just need a Mac, literally a Mac, then yeah, it's still yeah. well a place, isn't it? It has, uh, and I'll be interested to see the, the actual benchmarks on that and whether it's got active cooling and a teardown. Tear that would be definitely something to see. However... You, if it hasn't, you could actually do something about that. It's a desktop. You could pop that, pop that out and stick it oh, in another yeah, chassis no, and definitely. actually add a giant heat sink and some proper cooling to it and make it a complete beast. Do you know what? I, that's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down right now, but I do wonder huh. if anybody's done that. Um, however, the <laughs> biggest shock of the day, though, was the brand new HomePod. <laughs> so Apple have resurrected the what we'll let's call the, the HomePod Maxi, uh, the big one. Um, so this is a brand new uh, full-size HomePod. Uh, which has been released. Uh, it's now the second generation. It comes with uh, the S7 chip, uh, which is inside powering it. It yep. does, you know, it looks very similar to uh, the... Well, I say it looks similar. It looks like a larger version of the HomePod Mini, doesn't it? As opposed to the previous HomePod. Yeah. 
Um, it does, yeah. So you know, this is again completely custom built by Apple around you know the you know the the, the speaker design inside it. Uh, though interestingly, they've dropped from seven to five uh, tweeters, isn't it? Is that is it yeah, one? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, the price is now in the UK at least is two hundred ninety nine pounds, so it's cheaper uh, than uh, I think a lot of people are expecting. Um, and you know, it's on sale from the first week of February. So you know, this is still you know an attractive thing. You know, Apple are still pushing yeah. it as you know stereo speakers for your Apple TV. Uh, you know, the sound. I haven't seen any reviews yet, of course, because they haven't. You know, sound. It comes with you know the Siri. It comes with spatial audio support, and interestingly. With the latest iOS 16.3 release, which is currently in RC, Apple have yeah. unlocked hidden temperature and humidity sensors that already existed in the i uh, in the HomePod Mini. Have yeah, you? they snuck those in, didn't they? So they were there from launch, but iOS 16.3 has now made them available. And to prove it worked earlier, I asked my little box here on my desk, currently a Mini what the temperature in my office was and it told me and then i asked it humidity and it told me as well nice nice so interesting i mean of course the new home pods come with that as well um i you know look you know i i i'm pleased they brought this back i never thought for a second that they'd killed it off it just didn't make any sense why would apple kill it no. you know what i'm interested though is i wonder whether or not they didn't see the demand at the price point they were listing it with and whereas the home pod mini probably sold a lot better didn't it yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. HomePod Mini sold by the bucket load, I think. Yeah, you know, so these have got these new sensors, you know, full automations. You know, Apple are stating things like with the the new sensors, you can create automations around your heating. You can turn on blinds, isn't it, or fans? Um, you know, and it's also got new automations. They've given examples. What the one I read on the Apple website was, "Hey, you know who? Open the blinds every day at sunrise." Um, yeah. So it's kind of a bit like that. So and also it's going to have new have new confirmation tones as well with Siri to say if you turn things on. Um, so again, you know, some small improvements there. Uh, Matter support as well comes with these. Yeah, of course. Already out of the box, which is what we want. Uh, and Apple are obviously pushing that back down through uh, the other products as well. But yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what's your thoughts on the fact they've released this? I mean, was surprised. I'm you? still I trying mean... to get over the shock that it came back out. It's like they probably just killed that out of the blue, didn't they? And then, ding, we're back. Uh, then, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, cheap is always nicer. I mean, it, does it still sound as good? That's the question. Because I think that had good reviews, the HomePod, from sound quality point of view. They did. I just think, though, the problem was with the pricing point. Um, though, obviously, if you want a pair of these, it's going to cost you, what, you know, 600, 600. quid. Uh, so it isn't, it's not exactly cheap. But if you were to buy high-end Sonos, you're not far off it, really, are you? Let's be honest. Um, That's true. They're not They're not massively different. So but perhaps... the Sonos, the high-end Sonos soundbars, if you're thinking, that it, generally, if you want two, you're probably thinking either side of your TV or what was stuff other than the Apple TV. Yes, that's true. That's that's a very valid point there. You can do that. Yep. So they are out there. Well, on that point then, it's probably a good place to... Ah, rumour corner. Right. Oh, <laughs> it's a very, um, apologies, it's very Apple-heavy today. So we have two. So first, some updates on the infamous Periscope camera lenses. So we've been hearing about these since, what, 2020, I think? Uh, yeah, pretty uh, much. They about did using, last year. Yeah, periscope lenses for the cameras to give you kind of a larger optical zoom rather than the 3X we have now. So 
the latest reports are saying we're going to be getting it this year, finally, in the iPhone 15, but only in the Pro Max. So if you want the standard size Pro this year, you won't be getting a periscope lens. But if you wait till next year, it'll be in the both the Pro and the Pro Max, or whatever we're calling it at that point. Because I've heard rumors it's going to be called the Ultra or something, isn't it? Yeah, the I Pro think. Max will be 15 Ultra? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So only in the Pro Max this year, but next year you should get it in the Pro and the Pro Max. And I imagine the year after it's going to filter down to the standard models. That's kind of mad because they're saying it's up to possibly 10 times optimal zoom. Yeah, 5 or 10x zoom. So I prefer to see 10x. I mean, 5x isn't much more than the 3x we currently have, is it? No. I mean, it it adds something to it and it does make it better than the previous generation, certainly. But ten would be nice, though. Ten would be nice. I think ten would be far more usable um, and give you a greater range of options when you're taking pictures. Definitely. I mean, I have to say, and we've talked about this recently. I I am certainly not feeling the love with some of the pictures uh, that I'm seeing from the iPhone recently. Yeah, they're a bit, as we mentioned, a bit overprocessed now. Yeah, really are, and it, it's certainly uh, you know since talking about it, I don't know whether it's because you know I'm now more aware of it. Um, but I'm, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's not great at all. So any improvements they can do there, I mean, to ask Apple to dial yep. down the computational side of it, it's probably not going to happen. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, we'll Periscope we'll Lens may finally arrive in this year. Indeed. Or, well, and next year, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the next one. Oh, this isn't really what I wanted to hear. Um, but German is reporting that the, st- the planned standalone Apple AR glasses. So the, this isn't the AR VR headset. It's the one which basically replaces your normal glasses, and you can apparently get prescription versions of it that you know would give you AR overlaid on your real life. So apparently, this has been postponed indefinitely. Oh, hmm. now I was kind of hoping to see this one. Definitely. Oh dear. Not good. Not no, good at all. Not good. I mean, obviously, the reason they're stating is that basically technology simply won't be ready anytime soon for this. Which is a shame, isn't it? Because yeah. I think, I think for me, I was more interested in these than I was um, uh, the, the AR. The, the, the VR headset, VR. yeah. 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 I, this I is the one see... I was really looking forward to. Yeah, and for me, I probably was thinking I could get more out of this than you know in terms of usage capabilities but given the fact that you know microsoft themselves are having issues with hololens aren't they yeah um, they are it's you know you've got a question is is it that we're not ready for it yet is is it that the technologies say we're not quite there not quite there yet at all or is it because apple don't see a market for it that's the other question is yeah well, yeah, do they? I don't know. I'd buy it. <laughs> it's one of the ones I'd actually want to buy, but I'd want it to work decently before I bought it, though. That's that's the problem. So, yeah, maybe if technology's just not right, it's, it's not the right time. But to hear postponed indefinitely isn't great wording. No, because they're not the only ones. These are meta have pulled back on their one, aren't they? They're shipping and developing yep. it now with their AR glasses. Um, and they're spending, I mean, let's be honest, meta are the ones that are pumping cash into uh, this kind of technology. Yeah, I think you know Apple. I guess I suppose are going to want to test the water, um, you know, with with the VR AR capabilities in, yep. the, in the new headset, and then I guess if we get to that stage, I mean AR, I, I, I do believe AR will become very much 
part of everyday life in the future. But yeah. not on my phone. I don't want to have to look through no, my no, phone no, 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 to no, see no, the no, AR. No. Yeah. I, I, I think we're looking, I genuinely going to think we're going to be looking at a a world where AR is going to become ubiquitous, where you will have overlays. You know, you will look around a room or go somewhere. You'll be able to overlay technology information. You know, I know we're kind of there with certain aspects, but it will become normal. But we're not there yet. Definitely not there no. yet, which is a shame. But so, talking of those mixed reality headsets, so there's also some good news if you can't afford the what the three thousand plus dollars we're oh, expecting one, yeah. this year's headset to cost. Uh, Apple apparently early stages of development on a more affordable model uh <laughs> i don't know how affordable this is uh the statement is <laughs> around the price of an iphone now i'm going to go on a limb here and say that we're not referring to the iphone se uh so we're probably still looking at what a thousand dollars plus uh, yeah probably a minimum of i mean it's a more affordable than three thousand dollars plus but true true i'm yeah. not sure that's a Affordable, affordable. Well, I guess affordable is relative, isn't it? Depending on how much money you have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And obviously, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you know, affordable is a lot more expensive. This is true. This is true. But yeah, okay, there you go. Well, you know, let's let's get these first ones out the door first. Um, well, yeah. And we can then, you know, see how it goes. But yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Apple tend to do, you know, we've got iPhone SEs, as you say. We've got, uh, you know, other, we've got the iPad Airs. And, well, they're, they're higher yeah. now, isn't it? iPad, normal iPad, I should say. You know, so watch SEs. You know, so they have got a, they have got a history of giving or handing out or reducing capability to give you a similar experience, yeah. isn't it? Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, very good, very good. Right then, I guess on that bombshell, it's probably time for us to wrap up for today. We'll be back next week with episode 121 with all of the latest tech news and I suspect probably more news on the tech layoffs as well coming soon. Of yep. course, you can find us online at techrant.online for all of our show notes information and we're on Twitter at Weekly Tech Rant. Please give us a follow or share with your friends. We're also happy to accept any suggestions if we are wrong. <laughs> so get in touch <laughs> tell us what you think. And of course, you can find us on all of the major platforms. So if you're telling your friends that don't listen on Apple Podcasts, whether you Spotify or any of the other platforms out there, we are on pretty much all of them. And if we're not on a platform that you think we should be, again, do let us know. Right then, with that, I've been Jay. I've been Carl. Have a good evening, all. <laughs>